If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. Welcome in to the BSN Rockies podcast. It really wasn't talked about back then when I was in middle school and high school about pitching at elevation. It, the majority of the staff, I think, except for Marquez, we all came through the system uh, of the Rockies, and, and you can see that this was installed a long time ago. We're going to put a team on the field that's that's on a hit and play defense well, but also have a, a group of pitchers that know what it takes to pitch at this level and also you know, pitching at Coors with everything that goes along with that, with you know, altitude and everything. It's very special, and we pride ourselves on it. And once I actually got off the family plan, I actually texted him, hey, I got my own phone bill and he's like it's about time <laughs> so those were pretty good ones. did you have a gold glove before you were on your own phone plan um yeah i did i did i did i got brought in with runner at second and i walked the eight nine hole guys um who i faced in triple a earlier that year and then all of a sudden derek jeter comes over face loaded and i'm like oh man what i do but i started him off the breaking ball actually for a strike and ended up oh, striking him out so <laughs> what, do I, what do i do i'll surprise him <laughs> And now, your host, Drew Priestman. Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. On today's episode, we've got a couple of tough losses to talk about that did feature some good pitching. Uh, So there are some interesting elements going on now with all of a sudden the Colorado Rockies have found their starting pitching, which has been the bane of their existence for all of 2019. And now they can't hit. They certainly can't come up with the big hit in the clutch moment with runners in scoring position going one for 20 over the last two games with runners in scoring position, getting a lot of base runners out there, taking some good at-bats, drawing some walks, hitting some balls hard, running into some bad luck to be sure, particularly Nolan Arenado has been hitting the ball in the screws with nothing to show for it uh, quite a bit in the last several games. And then it's, of course, frustrating when you see that uh, on the other side go the other way when Peter Lambert runs into terrible luck 
uh, on a ball on an 0-2 pitch where he jams uh, Jose Iglesias and the ball falls into no man's land in front of Ryan McMahon and, and a run scores when in most other situations with that kind of swing on that kind of pitch, that sort of contact, you're going to get either a pop out there, nobody advances, or it drops in front of McMahon but a little further back and he can flip it over to second on to first for the inning-ending double play and nobody scores. But instead, they end up getting two runs out of that inning and then more frustrating uh, there with Jake McGee. We were having that conversation on Twitter. Uh, I'll go through it quickly now because I do think the main topic of conversation today is going to be trade deadline stuff. I want to talk about Marcus Stroman. I want to talk about where I think the Rockies are headed philosophically. So I'm just going to run through these games really quickly and the major talking points from them. I thought that... Uh, uh, you know, it, it was interesting. I, I was pulling up his statistics as he came into the game, and I'll admit I was a little bit surprised to see that Jake McGee had a 3.12 ERA on the season. And not only that, that the 3.12 ERA perhaps is worse than it looks because five of the nine runs he had given up before yesterday came in one game. So really, most of the times he's gone out there, he's been pretty good, and. Lately, it's been a little bit less so. There are obviously some some telling signs and reasons why, despite a pretty decent ERA, I had a lot of people coming to me on Twitter and saying, look, I just don't trust the guy when he takes the ball. Part of it is that he's only got a 30% ground ball rate, and the home run rate is pretty darn high as well. So when he gets lined up, it goes pretty far. I do think some of it is more his past, and he, he hasn't been good at times for the Rockies throughout the years uh, I even had some people point to his body language which I thought was interesting uh, his contract to be sure is a thing that people bring up but ultimately like the Rockies have to keep putting Jake McGee out there at least for the next couple of days in hopes that somebody comes and takes him because he's the exact kind of guy who does have decent numbers who you can look at another team and say yeah the fly ball rate's going to get him more at Coors Field than it's going to in other places especially this year when it's basically gone back to pre-humidor baseball in Denver so Jake McGee is going to have some value he's having a decent year he's got a decent strikeout rate uh, and like I said, when your ERA is 312 and the vast majority of that came in one game, you're going to have some value out there to teams. And so the Rockies can't just bury them. They're way too far out of this thing to start doing the non-savvy play, to be playing with a desperation to win every single game. And I know that's going to be frustrating for fans, but it's just not smart. To, you, you try to win every game, but you don't go desperate. You don't start yanking out the veteran because he hit a guy after, quite frankly, that first at-bat, the, the batter should have been out. The 3-2 pitch was a strike. It just was. It was a strike. It was right there on the edge. It was a little bit on the edge, but it was a strike. And the winning run in the ball game should never have been on base. Just another reminder that we need robot umpires, but... Um, McGee did then uncork a wild one, hit the guy, allowed a grounder up the middle. But again, it's not like he got hit super hard. The, the, the pitch that got away from him was really the worst thing he did in the inning because he struck out the guy who walked to lead off. Then he hits the guy bad with two strikes, bad. Uh, just bad. You can't do that. And the ground ball right up the middle, 
that's there. Some of that's a little bit of tough luck that the ground ball wasn't hit at somebody for an inning ending double play, but it's also really terrible luck that it happened to score a run on a guy who should not have been on base. And so for people to turn around and go, therefore, they got to get McGee out of there, and I never want to see him again. It's like they they're going to have to throw him out there a couple of times in hopes that he pitches well and in hopes that somebody comes and makes a trade for him because I think he's going to have value to some teams out there. And the same thing is going to be true of Wade Davis and Brian Shaw. This is a time where all the veterans need to play if they're going to sell them off. If you want the Rockies to be sellers, if you want them to move away from some of these veteran guys, if you want Jake McGee to go away, the ironic thing is they got to keep putting him out there for the next couple of days at least. It's only a few more days here now. But they got to keep doing that because that's how you show other teams they're still going a little bit. They come in, make a move. And, and that's true as well of the position players, but a little bit less so. They would probably be playing anyway, and I think they're just less likely, uh, Desmond or Murphy, uh, to be traded. Though with the way Yonder Alonso has played, I don't think the Rockies would be scared to trade Daniel Murphy if the right move came along. And I do think Murphy, again, Somebody who's set to make $8 million next year who's going to hit almost 20 home runs this year probably and bat. He's, at, he's up above 290 now. Like, of course that guy has value. Like, uh, this is one of those areas, I think, I'll, I'll make this comment too, that where people oftentimes only think of homerism in the positive, like, oh, you're being a homer because you think all of your players are good. And historically speaking, it is true that most fan bases tend to overrate their own players but I think it's probably the case that most fan bases on the internet tend to underrate their players especially on Twitter and I think this is one of those examples because you remember all the times Jake McGee blew the game and made you mad you remember all the times Wade Davis blew the game and made you mad or Ian Desmond not coming through in the last at bat of the game and it made you mad or Daniel Murphy really not being that productive for his first couple of months with the Rockies and that being mad because on top of that, you're frustrated about some other stuff with Daniel Murphy. And so in that way, when you only see the warts of your players, but you don't see 290 with 11 home runs, all of it trending upwards, and you don't see what Desmond does against lefties, and you don't see that Jake McGee's got a 312 ERA, it becomes this other end of the homerism spectrum where you can't even see how another team putting that guy in a different role could get a lot of value out. And it's especially funny, I think, to me because there's a long, long history of guys leaving the Colorado Rockies and figuring stuff out a little bit more later in their careers, whether it's through trades or, or free agency. And so, yes, it, you may not like that player, but that is a, a form of, of being emotional about it rather than being a little bit more objective and saying, yeah, of course they're not perfect, and yeah, they drive fans crazy, but, and this isn't to say that any of these guys will definitely be traded. It's just that they can be, and some of them should be given the right opportunity. 
I think we're going to put together an article probably this evening, myself and Patrick Lyons, so make sure you've subscribed to bsndenver.com so you can read it. And we'll just run through the list of guys who it makes sense the Rockies could trade and what they might be able to do with a trade, uh, whether that be just getting out from underneath some of the money. And we're going to be very reasonable about it. You're not going to see Charlie Blackman for Noah Syndergaard because, first of all, that doesn't make sense. And second of all, uh, that's it, it's just nowhere near the possibility of, of happening. Uh, it doesn't make sense for either team, but that's just not how trades work. And you almost always trade major leaguers for prospects this time of year, not two major leaguers for each other. It's not unheard of, but it does happen. Before I do get into the trade that I know a lot of people want to talk about, I, I want to mention before I move on the um, other game, and particularly just to single out another good start from Peter Lambert. You know, we saw really good stuff out of Lambert. We saw really good stuff out of Chichi Gonzalez, and I think it's been just that extra level of salt in the wound for people who followed this team to see the pitching get it together. And honestly, I think that's going to continue. I think the the shift has fallen back and they are going to pitch well for the remainder of the season. I think Lambert is really going to settle in and finish strong. I think both Marquez and Freeland have turned the corner a bit and have all the incentive in the world to finish strong so that they've got momentum going into 2020. And I think John Gray is just going to be what John Gray has been. Now you got yourself a look at Chichi Gonzalez and he goes five plus three earned, but no inning that got away from him. That should be renamed the Chichi Gonzalez. And you'll take it from your fifth guy if they'd had him doing that. This is what's crazy to me. And I, I was talking a few podcasts ago, I think, about it being a whack-a-mole season. And this is the absolute symbol of that. If they had Chichi Gonzalez the first two months of the season going out and giving him five innings and three runs when the bullpen was really good instead of what... Tyler Anderson and Chad Bettis were doing at those times when Antonio Senzatella was still on the IL going into the year. But it's just he wasn't ready yet. And the, the, the timing, everything, that, the timing, that's the word I was searching for there, has been off for everything this year. When the bullpen was going really well in the early parts of the season. They had no hitting, and then the, the starting pitching was okay, and then the starting pitching fell off a cliff, but the hitting really came to life. And then as soon as the hitting started to slow down a little bit, the bullpen became a disaster. The, and it's just, really? Now all of a sudden they can pitch again. They had a low three, I think it was a below 330 ERA from their starting pitchers out on that road trip where they went three and seven. They pitched well. The, there are some shaky moments in the bullpen, but even then you're not looking at bullpens. Even like we talked about Jake McGee, yeah, you're frustrated because it was the third run in a 3-2 game, but he didn't give up five the way they'd been doing. It wasn't close. But And, and if the Rockies' offense was doing what they were doing when the bullpen was giving up five and the bullpen only gave up one, it would be the Jake McGee stuff would be a footnote. 
if the offense could have gone with two more base hits with runners in scoring position, bringing their grand total to three for 20. Three, if they could have gone three for 20 with runners in scoring position, they'd have swept the Reds. <laughs> but, but, they, but it's just, you know, the situational hitting was bad. Multiple times, Trevor Story leads off that game with a double. Can't get him over, can't get him in. Hey, before I get to this next question, it's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in, you guessed it, Breckenridge, Colorado in 1990. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But... They just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you and for you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a lighthearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is just a light, delicious summer ale that you've been looking for. So check Strawberry Sky, your local liquor store, or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge of Vent calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it recently. You'll be able to go and see all of the events that we've got planned out. We'll be drinking Breckenridge beers at all of them. We had a lot of fun at this one most recently, so make sure you check that out. RSVP, come out and have a good time. Uh, I saw a question pop up here just a moment. I didn't see the name. Sorry, I need to get better at doing these on here as opposed to Facebook where they leave them up for me. But uh, no, I don't think that there's any truth to the rumors about Charlie Blackman. I think it's very, very unlikely. And I, I, and I, and I guess this is a good place to go into the first commercial break for the podcast. I'm actually doing Periscope instead of Facebook Live today, those of you listening to the podcast wondering. So you guys can hang around. We'll chat for a minute. But... Um, to, to reiterate here, the reason why I am where this is what we're going to talk about on the other side of the break. I think the Mets did something very silly, and I think the Blue Jays did something very silly. And this is maybe a, a concept I've not introduced to our conversation about the Rockies yet, is just understanding the reality of where you are. Everything takes place in context. And the fact that the Mets have a phenomenal rotation right now is really irrelevant. And the fact that the Rockies have gotten knocked around this year, when you consider the specifics is actually irrelevant when you're talking about building toward the future. It's important to understand what matters and what doesn't because getting good guy, get good player is is not like you've got to think beyond that. This is the problem the Mets have had for years. So we're going to go to a break here, come back on the other side and discuss why, despite the fact that the Mets just landed one of the best pitchers in baseball, they're being really really dumb 
Green Mountain Dental has a long-standing tradition of being one of Lakewood's best family dental care offices. Um, I have been a patient since I was three, which is in 1974. You know, my parents, myself, and now my children all go there. It's just a great place to be, very positive experience with them, definitely. New patients can receive free teeth whitening trays when they schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Also, all colored sport mouth guards start at just $25. The doctors will come out and visit with you, um, ask you how your family is doing. You know, just very friendly and family oriented. It's just very comfortable to, to be there. That's GreenMountainDentalGroup.com. Welcome back in to the BSN Rockies podcast presented by the Green Solution. Let's talk about the big news of the day. Marcus Stroman traded to the New York Mets from the Toronto Blue Jays for a couple of higher end prospects that but not the highest end prospects, not even the top prospect in the Mets system. Uh, people were asking me, this is always difficult, but it's it's a fair question to ask. What would be a Rockies equivalent and and the closest thing I could come up with in my mind was like Ryan Rollison and Ryan Vallade I, I guess they're both Ryan's but uh, both top picks both top 10 prospects for the Rockies but neither of them their top prospect a position player and a pitcher uh, with, with a lot of shine on them but not guys that I think would you know, too many Rockies fans w- would be heartbroken over losing them over Marcus Stroman. And so I, I understand that it's natural to ask the question, so why didn't the Rockies do that? Let me first, you got to go with the caveats I, I, because I see this all the time. And it's just you have to remember sometimes that certain teams are just going to deal with certain other teams or they're going to covet certain other players or a guy's going to really, really want to go to New York and and they're going to try to help him out for some reason. There, there's a lot of interpersonal stuff about why guys get traded or why guys sign in free agency that isn't as simple as, well, another team could have offered something of equivalent value. And it, there, there are 29 other teams in baseball right now going, well, yeah, we could have given up prospects of that value to get Stroman and because Stroman is on contract through next season there are plenty of teams in baseball including the Rockies for whom it would have made some sense and I've even made that argument before we saw the Pittsburgh Pirates do this last year with Chris Archer where they weren't necessarily in the hunt but because he had a longer contract they went well we can still kind of buy on him because we're going to continue to try to build and and if that's what the Mets are trying to do here, then fine, because they do like going into next season. You got to look at that rotation, but they're further out of it than the Rockies. They're almost in the same place now. That's how far the Rockies have fallen. The Mets are not going to get back into it this season. Even if they swung another huge trade for a position player, much as is the case with the Rockies, the Mets, in order to go on a run, would need their entire team that's struggling to stop struggling. And that could happen. But much like with the Rockies, it's unlikely. And that's why this whole thing is actually a pretty hilarious parable. And I, and I sent out this Twitter, this Twitter, this Twitter tweet today <laughs> that said, because I did, I woke up and it was like the first thing I saw on Twitter were like five tweets, some of them even from 
I'll say people in the media, I guess, uh, the, about the Rockies making a huge mistake for not doing uh, the, the Mets showing that they're, you know, more serious about contending and they expect to compete and contend and they're going for it, even though the Rockies aren't there in a similar situation. So why don't the Rockies and then still making their jokes about the brain surgery comments that Jeff Breidich said and suggesting things like trading Charlie Blackman for Noah Syndergaard. And I'm like, wow, displaying a complete, complete misunderstanding of how trades in baseball work and holding up the Mets as a paragon for success in Major League Baseball, as as a front office to be emulated. Now, look, this could all work out for the Mets. They've acquired a very good player, and they didn't have to give up very much to get him. But they kind of have to turn their whole situation way around pretty immediately or you've given up resources for something that's not going to help you to win anything. Whether they're huge resources or not, you've given up talent for a player when you're not in a window of contention. The rest of that team needs a whole lot of work. They don't have a core, and that's why I keep talking about the Rockies core that's the difference a trade of Stroman would have made a little more sense for the Rockies if they could have given up those two guys I'd have done it but that might not have been on the table it probably wasn't but ultimately you have to understand where you are as an organization and build within that context. Now, I'm not sure the Mets should... The, 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 here's the problem with the Mets. They've missed a million opportunities to do some sort of nuclear rebuild, and they've been stuck in an in-between mode for a very long time. The Rockies did a rebuild a few years ago and focused very heavily on growing their own prospects. And I see someone here saying they should trade John Gray and prospects for Thor. I really don't think that that's a good idea, again, for this exact reason. I don't think there's any guarantee that Noah Syndergaard would pitch better at Coors Field than John Gray. In fact, I think it's incredibly likely that he would pitch much worse. John Gray throughout the course of his career has been very good at Coors. And this season has been very good except for one game. I don't think Syndergaard would handle Coors well, especially this year. He's pretty much lost control of his breaking pitches and off-speed stuff. He's become almost only a fastball guy. But And I'm sorry I'm not seeing some of the names here, but thank you for asking questions. I, I do think the Rockies feel like they have an identity. I feel like they, they think they've got a core of players, and some of the, that core is really struggling right now, but they still see them as a core moving forward. 
And here's why I don't think you do a rebuild and why you trade around the edges. We'll see what happens here in the next couple of days. But you retool around the core you have with better role players. This is a 90-win team, uh, team again. Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, David Dahl. Right, That's your sort of position player core. Then you've got John Gray, Kyle Freeland, Herman Marquez. I know, I know, but still, Kyle Freeland, Herman Marquez. Scott Oberg, I think they consider probably a part of this core, though if someone blows them away with an offer, he's the one guy from the core I could see them moving. Uh, so that's eight guys. And then as I've talked about a lot, I really see Ryan McMahon emerging as a piece of this. A ninth piece of this. And then depending on how you feel about Tony Walters, I think they would probably tell you Tony Walters is a big part of their core. They love his defense. They love all of his clubhousiness. Now, and now he's turned himself into, if nothing else, a problem at the plate. So that's 10 guys. You feel pretty confident that if you bring back those 10 guys, but you get some stuff done in the bullpen, you really address that fifth rotation spot, and you maybe go get one big bat, you can absolutely compete. You, you know, one of the teams that all professional, one of the things that all professional teams will ask themselves is, can we win a championship with this guy as our best player? Or with these two guys, if it's, Football or, or baseball, you probably need to ask two or three guys. In the NBA, one or two guys. Can we win a championship with this guy as our best player? So in baseball, it's a core of three. And the big question mark right now is, is there a pitcher? Because they have, can you win with a core of Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story? And then throw Charlie Blackman in there. Of course you can win a championship if those are your best position players but you need one or two pitchers who's it going to be if John Gray, Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland if you don't and I, I've said this before if you don't believe in those guys and then to a slightly lesser extent or to whatever degree you do or don't Peter Lambert if you don't believe in those guys then it is time for a rebuild but I, I want to see the people on Twitter who are coming out and saying the Rockets got to tear it all down or people writing articles in papers of record saying they have to do a, a total rebuild and they have to admit that this whole thing isn't working and start over from scratch. I want to see their nuanced argument for why they really do believe that Marquez and Freeland are only what they were at their worst this season and not what they've been throughout the rest of their careers or even in these last couple of games. I'd, I'd like to see that argument is what I would say. And so because I do have faith that at least – some of those guys, some combination, two of those four pitchers, Gray, Marquez, Freeland, and Lambert, are going to be really good. And then the other two are going to be okay at worst. Again, you, you got to do something with this fifth spot here. And there's some interesting candidates in-house, but I'd, I'd like to see him go outside the organization for that, probably in the offseason. But understanding that you do have that core in place means you've got to be laser-focused on the players that complement what you already have. 
someone who can come in and help push the team over the top. And I think that's where it's fairest to be critical of Jeff Breidich. When people say it's a flawed roster, top to bottom, and the whole thing has to be torn down, I wonder if they've fallen asleep for two years. Or if they just never believed in the team and now they're hedging their bets and saying, see, I was right, they're more than happy to shovel dirt on the grave because they never thought they were going to be good in 2017 or 2018 and they were highly critical of a team that ended up winning 91 ball games. But there are reasons to be critical of the GM that make a lot of sense. And then there are a bunch that are personal. And I think that these ones that make more sense are that he really didn't get the right complimentary pieces. He got some that did okay. He helped draft and develop a core of guys who took the team to 91 wins and can again. But in the free agents, he signed, I think Gerardo Parra was a good one, but the rest of them have certainly been iffy. Some of the trades, very iffy. I think he, I, I still think he won the Troy Tulowitzki trade just from getting out from underneath the contract, but again, how did he spend it? So that doesn't mean he can't. Remember, he was a brand-new general manager in that first free agency. I would think he's learned a lot in the last couple of years. But the core of the team is just too good. And they've got a lot of options out there. So I think it makes more sense for a team that's in a position that the Rockies are or that the Mets are for you to move out from some pieces that you can get some value for but are probably not a part of your long-term future and are not a part of your core. Get what you can for them so that you can use whatever resources, prospects, or money in return to start building in the offseason, to retool, to really go after it in 2020. And I think that's Rocky's plan. I think they know that that is their identity, that it's these 10 guys that I just named. There might be another one or two in there that I, I could have mentioned. but And everyone else, they should be listening to offers for and aggressively trying to move. That is that is my position. So I'm going to take another quick commercial break here, come back on the other side of it, do a little bit of previewing of this series with the Los Angeles Dodgers. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and i got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. All right, welcome back into this final segment of the BSN Rockies podcast. I just lost my probable pitchers page for 
this Rockies Dodgers series, but I can tell you this, the Rockies are not favored to win any of these games. This could be uh, pretty much <laughs> look, I see this going one of two ways here. Here's my prediction. I'll just jump straight to this instead of trying to give you a bunch of mumbo jumbo on the pitching matchups for the Rockies and the, the Dodgers right now there. This can go one of two ways. And both of them will be sad and frustrating for you. So I'm sorry. Either the Rockies are about to get trounced and it's just the nail in the coffin, the official kind of end of the season. This is what puts them away. And maybe is even that much more of a final incentive to get maybe if, if Jeff Breidich needs Dick Monfort to be convinced to sell off a couple of pieces more. It goes that way. And I hate to say this, and, and there's no, I'm not going to tell anybody how to root, but I'll, I'll say from a future competitive standpoint, that is almost the preferable outcome. Because if it goes the other way, and the Rockies really compete, and they come out and play well, and they beat the Dodgers, they even sweep the Dodgers. What it's going to be is a reminder of how good this team could have been. Because what will happen is, and I can totally see this happening, everything clicks. The pitchers have found their rhythm. They come home, they pitch well. The hitting, get back to Coors Field, going up against a bunch of Dodgers pitchers, really don't like pitching at Coors Field grows with a ton of confidence the Dodgers have a 7,000 game lead in the National League West and can play pretty relaxed and if they drop a couple of games in Denver to a team that's really not on their heels in any way no big deal and so I could see the Rockies coming out playing their best brand of baseball all year and taking this series from the Dodgers, but that's so too little too late. It won't change anything. Unless it's the beginning of a run they go on for the rest of the season, which as I've said before, and a lot of people won't even talk about the possibility of that happening. That, that always bothers me when people say that won't happen. Of course it could. Crazier things have happened in the game of baseball. But it's unlikely. And it's, it's just going to be a reminder. It's just going to be this showing of everything that could have been had the cards fallen a bit differently for the Rockies this year, had their issues timed up just a bit differently. Uh, like I was saying earlier, so much of it was timing. Uh, a strong rash of injuries that all came at the same time early in the seasons. The Rockies were losing games with Josh Fuentes and Jonathan Daza out there. The fact that the struggles have come, as I talked about, when the starting pitching and hitting got going at the same time for just a little bit, that's when the bullpen completely imploded and cost you a ton of games. Whack-a-mole season. 
that I think we're probably going to see now just because it's it's the ironic nature of the game. They're going to come out. They're going to play really well. Either that or, like I said, it goes the other way. They get trounced. You hear a bunch of people saying, Broncos training camp, Broncos training camp, you people, the hardcore people of Rockies town, keep coming out, talking baseball with us every single day, looking at the young guys, watching what Ryan McMahon does down the stretch, Ryan Tapia, David Dahl, some of the young pitching, seeing what the Rockies do at the deadline, maybe getting a look at Dom Nunez at some point down the, the stretch. He's having a good year. Uh, he could be a catcher in the future with Chris Ionette on the final year of his deal. There's plenty to look forward to, uh, but I, I just there's no way this series won't be brutal. I'm sorry, I don't see a, I, I don't see a positive way out. Even if the Rockies win it, it's not going to feel good. I don't think. I mean, it always it's always going to feel good for some of you. If the Rockies win, and I get that, but it's going to be tough to take either way. Will Smith is going to have a huge series. I'm sorry. So, All right. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out and asking questions and, and uh, doing a, a little bit of a new thing here today or a newer thing with the Periscope. Make sure you're following us on all the social media, at BSN Rockies, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on Facebook, whatever podcast app you happen to be using. Make sure you have subscribed to bsndenver.com. And if you do so, you can get a free T-shirt, which is pretty cool because those T-shirts are super awesome. Plus, you'll get access to all kinds of exclusive content. We'll have some really good stuff coming your way with the team back in town uh, this week. Uh, a lot of opportunities to grab some guys and chat baseball with them. Always stuff to learn about that, no matter what the record is. So thank you all for Sticking with us through all of this, you are absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more.